Welcome to our podcast, A Place Called Porch. I'm your host, Megan Zamora, and I invite you to kick back, relax, and enjoy the friendship, history, and stories of the Porch Band of Creek Indians. He's known for being a bull rider with an unshakable perseverance. We invited Tribal Council member DeWitt Carter to share some of his stories with us. Tune in and hear what he had to say. As we go out and about in the community, it seems like one of the first things that I'm ever asked is, who's your people? How do you connect to the, to the porch community? So I want to start there with just how do you connect to the porch community and what's your porch connection? Well, my people are Roberta and Eugene, popcorn sales, DeWitt sales, Garvis sales, Gloria Jean, um, Julius, Jerry Buck, Tony. I was raised in over, I guess, off Porch Road, uh, Applin Road. I say it was raised up pretty much. Been raised all over the place, but that's where I graduated high school, went in the military, and got out, came home to. You know, it's growing up here. I mean, I participated in a good bit of the events. To, like Uncle John, I, I helped him, uh, I want to say a couple of years, doing the roast corn, which I was backbreaking even for a teenager. I actually participated with Clayton Coon in the reenactment of the uh, battle, well, I'm going to call it a battle of Fort Mims, not a massacre, but battle of Fort Mims. Throughout the years, I've just been a part of this community one way or another. So what's one of your uh, favorite childhood memories of being here in the porch community? Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one because there's so many. I remember playing football over here on Right beside Mr. Tullis' house now, uh, behind the church there, we would be a bunch of us guys get together in the summertime and play a little football. Being raised with my granddad over on Appleton Road, it was uh, kind of a tight-knit community over there. We, uh, May and Verley Bailey and uh, Ruth, Edgar Racker, all of them, we Jack Rowland, him and my granddad had a close relationship. And granddad, when Edgar was on, was had um, uh, tractors at the time. And so, which was pretty neat because they would, they often bought equipment with the intention of the other one using it. And um, there was a lot of times that we would, when as I got older and was able to do stuff, I would, I would plow their gardens and stuff for them, and, and it was always pretty cool because they would, I mean, it didn't take no time to do it. And instead of charging them any money, that was always probably my first time ever having commodity cheese. <laughs> I remember that was, you know, wasn't really, I, I can't remember any money ever changing hands, but it was always, you know, we'd come do something for them, and they'd always you know, stop by the house or stop us on the way in and they'd give us a half a block or a block of it. And, oh, I love that cheese. Golly, man, I could eat it. I, it was just unreal. But that was the way the community was. We didn't, none of us was rich. Um, but we always shared what we had. And my granddad was, he was, 
it was different living with him than it was with my mom because my mom, we had to get out in the garden and we had to hoe the grass and uh, pick peas and butter beans or whatever. My granddad never made me do it. I always went out and helped him because it was just the right thing to do. But I remember we would we would put up what we wanted and then we would deliver the rest around the community. I mean, it was just always like that. We always they would check in on one another and it was just... It was, instead of a community, it was more like one big family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to say about that. What was the best, you know, best memory? Because there's so many of them. It was all good. So you served in the military. What branch of the military did you serve in? Uh, Air Force. Five years stationed at NORAD. Basic training in San Antonio, uh, tech school and. Wichita Falls, Texas, and then five years in NORAD, Colorado Springs. And it was, it was an experience that I'd, I dare say every young person in their 20s, you know, 18, 25 needs to experience this. It matures you, teaches you responsibility. Did you ever have to go far off and overseas and do anything like that? No, um, Desert Storm happened in 90, 91, something like that. And uh, I volunteered to go to it, had orders to go to it. But it was over before my orders came up, so that was the closest I got to actually going to the front or in a, any kind of battlefield or overseas. Um, my mother passed in 92, so I got out of the military to help raise my sister's the three of them were young. The youngest one was about three or four, I think. And uh, so I got out to help them. And then my two older sisters ended up, they took care of them. Um, I just helped as I could. So you and your previous life, as some people like to say, you were a bull rider. How in the world does the person go from being a bull rider to being an at-large council member for one of the most successful tribes in the in the nation? Hmm. That's a million-dollar question. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, most of the bull riders out there, they're not afraid of a challenge. Uh, you know, not, they'll step, say more, you know, they'll say what's on their mind more often and keeping it and inside and, I don't know. It just um, Peggy Couch is a responsible person here. <laughs> she, uh, I'd be coming through and her at Wayside working and then stop by. She's like my, because my mom passed in 92. I kind of sort of adopted her around, two, I'm going to say 98, 99, something like that. And she became just like a foster mom to me. And, Anyway, she would tell me everything that was going on. She was a previous council member, so she knew a good bit, and she kept telling me, you need to run, you need to run. And I guess the bull rider in me wouldn't ever let me give up, so <laughs> I ran, and I didn't quit running until I succeeded. So how many years did you run before you were elected to council? It took six. Yeah, six years. Man, unreal. So what have you learned since being on tribal council? Hmm. 
the inside looks a whole lot different than from the outside looking in. You can't change the world by yourself. You got to learn how to work as a team. You, um, no matter how passionate you are about something, if um, other council members are not, it may not go anywhere. And I say may not. A lot of times you can, and we got a pretty decent council as far as if somebody's really passionate, they're not necessarily going to hinder it. Um, may not necessarily support it either, but not necessarily going to hinder it. But yeah, it is, it's a lot different. It's, you, you learn a lot of things as far as you just can't take stuff at face value. You got to, you got to wait and hear everything. When you make a decision, you got to make a decision that's good for the whole tribe, not for one or two people that you, that brought the problem to you. It's a different world completely. I mean, it's not a bad place. It's eye-opening. It teaches you, <laughs> teaches you to be humble a lot too. How did you think it was going to be before you got on tribal council? What kind of ideas? What did you think it was going to be like compared to how it is? Mm, thought that you could work towards something and get it accomplished, and that's not necessarily the case. It and you can't just. You got to build relationships within the council to get, you know, basically get stuff passed. And that don't sound quite right what I'm trying to say, but I, I work with wood on the side. And I can start with my hands building something that'll turn out really nice and really beautiful. And each step I move closer to the finished product. I've been on a council. I ain't exactly like that. It's more politics. It's more, uh, and it's sad that it is politics because we're all family. I, I get it that it's, you know, people, they, you know, some of the people that you represent, they want their fair share and sometimes they don't feel like they're getting it. And so you gotta, as a council member, you gotta figure out how to, show them and make sure it is being dispersed that way. What do you feel like has been one of the toughest decisions you've had to make since being on council? Hmm. Yeah, I don't have a clue. I mean, I always make decisions that I can live with. So, so far, I ain't really had to make a, a decision that I couldn't live with. I mean, it's... You know, that's the good thing about, I guess, the bull rider in me. I can, I know how I feel about something, and if I feel a certain way, I don't have a problem stating that and being vocal about it. So, yeah, I, I don't know on that one. I just, you know, can't really say, can't say there is a tough decision. I mean, not that everything, a decision is perfect, but, you know, I've made mistakes in some of the decisions I made. It didn't go as I thought it would go, but I can't look back and say it was, given the circumstance, I'd have made the, an opposite decision. So, yeah, I, I can't say there's anything been tough. So as a council member, you're faced with a lot of 
decisions on a daily basis and especially, you know, uh, teeing up for council meetings and workshops and that sort of thing as well. Can you talk us through your decision-making process? How do you make decisions? Um, I put a lot of emphasis on the, uh, the employees that have brought this to us, uh, like a housing issue. Let's use that, for example. Okay. If a housing issue comes before us, I want the input from the housing employees. They're in the trenches. They're the ones dealing with these folks, so they have an idea. Now, I may not necessarily agree with them, but I want their input. I want, I'm not going to necessarily say it's expert opinion, but I want somebody who's dealing with the matter that knows the ins and outs of it because um, they have a different look than I do. I'm not dealing with it daily, so... In my opinion, that helps me to make a better decision, uh, knowing that if it's a decision that those employees are already, you know, they they feel it should be that way, then they're going to be more apt to help tribal members, and they're going to want to do it because they know that this is it's better for everybody all the way around. And again, that's not always the case, and now we make decisions that's totally against what the was brought to us or to some degree, again, uh, different. But, you know, we I, I'm not one of the kind of people that I've, I've noticed in the past, especially before I got on, there was always lots and lots of unanimous decisions. And I'm not that person. And if I don't agree with something, I'm not going to vote yes just because the majority are. I've been fortunate in that that I've, you know, I mean, I've been able to explain myself and, and people understand it. Maybe the council didn't agree with it, but still, I was able to, you know, I don't agree with this and I'm not going along with the crowd. And so I like to think sometimes that the council, the majority of them hear me. I don't know if I've ever changed anybody's vote, <laughs> but I think I have. You know, I believe I have. When you look to the future for the Porch Band of Creek Indians, what concerns you the most? Oh, my goodness. Is there just one thing? <laughs> oh, well, just whatever you want to share, whatever, whatever concerns There's you. There's not just one thing. I mean, let's be honest. I had said, from just be honest about it, greed is a, something that's it's contaminated our tribe. It's, it's been allowed to grow, and it's not a good thing. I don't know that it's anybody's immune to it. I can't say that I'm immune to it. And it bothers me because it just, the more money that we are involved with, the more revenues we make, probably the bigger that problem's going to get. And we have another issue that really bothers me is the Miners Trust Fund. Um, I feel like we're we're doing, we're, it's not, I don't know what the solution is, but I want our children, I wasn't given an opportunity to go to college. It wasn't a, um, you know, something that was even considered. We couldn't afford it. My grandpa couldn't, I couldn't. Military was my only option, so that's why, why I did go to military. But our children are not 
they don't have that issue. We have, they have education money. They have money, their trust money that's coming to them. I mean, there's no reason why our children can't be some of the best educated children in the state of Alabama. So, and it bothers me that it's, we're seeing more problems where, not always, and I mean, we've had quite a few, I'm sure, that's that's used their trust fund money properly, but there's a lot that, my son's one of them, thought he could live off them. And there's, dude, I mean, it's just, it's unrealistic. And they dropping out of school, just to, Hopefully not all, many. I'm hoping that number is dwindling. Hadn't looked lately, lately, but I do know that there's examples of it. And that bothers me. It bothers me that a tribe has always been about family. And our family is, even us, we have spouses, we have children. I don't, I don't pretend that we can open the role for first generation and give them the same benefits that tribal members get today. It would bankrupt the tribe. But I do feel like that we could do extend benefits. We could do more for children and our spouses. I mean, because again, that's one of the things that we always talk about as a tribe is it's family oriented. And I just want to see us do more. It breaks my heart to see these spouses of tribal members and the tribal member was a breadwinner because of the tribe, because of the, the revenues and they pass on. There's nothing for the spouse or the children. We've lost several tribal members this year that they left family that I don't know what they're going to do. I have no clue. And it bothers me that I, we haven't, already done more for that that group of people that we haven't you know accomplished something for you don't get me wrong I'm a council member as a an elected representative of Porch Creek Indians my responsibility is solely to tribal members but I'm still human and I still feel like you know we can do more we can work more towards what our legacy is all about. Okay, so we've talked about some tough days and some concerns. What does a good day look like for you? Mm, Council. Council meeting days are always a good day for me. Because most of the time we're going to do something good for the community, good for the tribe. We're going to vote on something that's going to affect who knows how many people, especially when it's something that I brought to the table. It's extra special those days. I mean, it's, you know, I I don't take lightly when I get behind something. I, it's important to me, and it's something that I feel, you know, maybe not always I've seen all the aspects, but I've tried to to uh, look at all aspects of it before I bring it before the council to try to vote on, or to have a vote on, I should say. And, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a good day. Always. Best days. So you've been on council now for how many years? Five years. Five years. Okay. So during those five years, is there one 
moment that stands out as like this was a proud moment or like a really special special highlight of of being on council hmm. yeah you caught me on my heels right now i'm out when i'm i don't I'm not too much on um you know or emphasizing moments for myself i rather emphasize moments for the tribe, um, I will say a proud moment for me was opening the PCCC um, equally and more impressive and, and just as impressive as uh, the grand opening for the Pennsylvania Casino. Um, it just showed how successful this tribe has become. Um, yeah, and I was there. Wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, what does it mean to you to be Porch Creek? Hmm. I think everything that we just talked about. Every bit of. We hope you enjoyed your time with us today. For more information about the Porch Band of Creek Indians, please visit our website, porchcreekindians.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, A Place Called Porch.